Hello, Space Junkies, and welcome to episode 106 of What a Piece of Junk, the Star Wars podcast here on the Fandom Podcast Network. I am your agreeable host, Scott Botman, and joining me this episode is my number one podcast co-host, Mr. Derek Marsh. Derek, how's it going? It is going. It is February 5th already, man. Yeah, I can't believe it. This year is like an accelerated hyperspace mode. Yeah, I mean, after 2020 and 2021 was like, you know, took forever. 2022 kind of felt normal. And then this year's like, like you said, already off into hyperspace. So Yeah, totally. Well, tonight's episode of the podcast, we're going to be reviewing the Bad Batch episode Tribe, which is all about two things that you can't get more Star Wars than, and that's lightsabers and Wookiees. And if we're going to talk about Wookiees, we have to have our very own gooey chewy, Mr. Miracle, Dave Phil Cloney, the man of a thousand nicknames. It's Nathan Miracle. Oh, sorry. The Sherlock translator is offline. Uh, okay, try that again. Oh, yes. I am so excited to be here, and I love this episode. So excited to talk Wookiees with you guys, uh, or at least at you guys. Yeah. Because I'm telling you, there's a lot in this episode, uh, and yeah, I, I can't wait to talk about it. But yeah, at least just... Hunter could remember a little bit of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was cool. Otherwise, it would have been a really weird episode. <laughs> I mean, not just lightsabers and Wookiees, but this time we got a Wookiee lightsaber wielder. It's just yes. a, a Wookiee with a lightsaber. I just, yeah, it's awesome. Um, which is actually more of a thing in contemporary Star Wars literature uh, in the High Republic era, but we can talk about that later. Uh, so, yeah, in case you guys haven't put it together, we are talking about the whole storyline here with Gunji making his Yay. way back to star wars animation uh so guys the cutest wookie ever he is the cutest wookie and so let's jump right yeah, into it that. um nathan actually like the day the episode came out he messaged us all and said dibs on the first answer to the first question for this podcast so uh nathan what did you like best about this episode well we've already mentioned it Wookies and lots of them. See Wookies and lots of them. And not only do we get to see Wookies, we get to see Wookies on Kashyyyk, which is just great. It's it's like the epitome of Wookiness, and it's a combination of Wookies and Jedi. Uh, there are very few Jedi Wookies, so yeah. I love to see uh, Gunji make a, a comeback. Glad to see he survived Order sixty six, uh, and did so in a way that. Um, well, I mean, the actual survival of Order 66, I'm not sure, but he survived this episode in a way that I think makes sense for him to continue going on uh, in the Star Wars universe. I, I thought when we saw him in the previews that, oh man, they're going to have to kill him off because otherwise it doesn't make sense. But I, I think they've done it in such a way that it's okay if he just lives out his days in Kashyyyk. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I think... Uh... It's interesting to note that we have so few times that, like you said, Wookiee and Jedi overlap. Um, I think the first time we really saw that, of course, though, was in Star Wars Episode Three: Revenge of the Sith, where Yoda was hanging out with the Wookiees during the Battle of Kashyyyk. Well, and that was, you know, a Jedi with Wookiees, um, but it's even more rare to have a Wookiee who can use the Force. Yeah, 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 yeah. But even that first combination thing is pretty rare. That's true. 
yeah, because uh, Chewbacca always hung out with Han Solo, who very much didn't care about the Force, or didn't quite believe in it at first. Yeah, but we know that Chewie knew Obi-Wan as well, though, so... He knew Yoda. Well, he knew Obi-Wan, though, because when they're in the bar, you could tell now that they knew <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> no, he, he doesn't know Obi-Wan at that point in time. Uh, Bo Sheck knows Obi-Wan. And Bo Sheck, if you watch, uh, Obi-Wan goes up to this pilot who's all, I can't help you, but this guy probably can. And he uh, points a thumb at Chewbacca. I, I just feel like the, he knows him. I like the behind-the-scenes uh, dialogue that uh, Peter Mayhew was speaking in the outtakes before they added the to the sound effect reel in A New Hope when Obi-Wan leaves to go deactivate the tractor beam and in the original Star Wars there at the original Death Star. Uh, if you watch it without any sound effects, you can hear Peter Mayhew say, where did you dig up that old fossil? That old man's mental. <laughs> yeah, that, that is really weird because Peter Mayhew's voice. Yeah, you know, I mean, he did the Wookiee growls, um, but when he's just talking, his voice is nothing like Chewbacca. Yeah. <laughs> and it, just, it's, it sounds so weird. So I don't know if you guys uh, knew this, but uh, George Lucas actually in the early 2000s had a rule that the expanded universe could not have Wookiee Jedi. I didn't know that. Why, why was that a rule? Uh, he felt like um, because Wookiees are so physically dominant that it would be kind of broken for lack of a better term for a Wookiee to be able to use the force. Now Wookie Jedi is OP. Please nerf. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, now he, he did of course, eventually um, go back on that. I think primarily because Dave Filoni was like, you know, people would really like this. And he was right. Yeah. Um, well, especially since his lightsaber's made out of bark. Yes. Oh, yeah, that yeah. is cool. That is cool. Okay, well, yeah, so uh, now Derek and I can uh, go ahead and do our what did you like best. Uh, Derek, what did you like best about this episode? So we were talking about it. Like, obviously, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's a good episode overall when it comes to um, – single story arcs at this point at least at this you know all we know for episode six is a one one episode for wookies for the bad batch um but it was uh overall um what i liked most about this was we were talking offline before was when the trandoshan commander or captain or whatever gets picked up by those spider guys and he just keeps going up in the air and he keeps screaming and they just get that offline you know <laughs> yeah so, uh, that and was funny. So. Omega and Gunji just kind of walk off. And they're like, like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I guess he's not going to have a good day. Bye. Yeah. So, so they got it from here, guys. So I, I liked seeing Imperial tanks that are obviously retrofitted uh, battle droid mm. tanks. Um, I think if, I'm pretty sure this is the first time that we've seen much in the way of an Imperial battle tank. Uh, I mean, obviously we saw Adats and some speeders and uh, ATSTs, uh, but they don't really do much in the way of tanks. And it's cool to think that they would take some of the old battle droid 
tanks and just retrofit them. Um, and it was neat seeing them to be be flame tanks. Uh, the the Star Wars Legion player tabletop battle game in in me player in me was very excited to see this because that could be another Imperial model for the future of that game, and it'd be very easy for Atomic Mass Games to just retrofit their own model of a droid battle tank already to turn it into an Imperial battle tank and give it the cool flamethrower weapon uh, as the main the main cannon weapon there. It was also cool that the Trandoshans were all about the fire weapons because they knew that they were on Kashyyyk and there was the forest everywhere and like it just cements their evilness that they're not only killing Wookiees or capturing them, uh, but they're also destroying the environment. So, you know, it felt like a very 1990s villain move, you know, back when Captain Planet was running the show and the bad guys were always deforesting or polluting or whatever. So, yeah, I, <laughs> my, I really My clever it. plan is to pollute the oceans. Like, what do you gain out of this? <laughs> Pollution. I've invented a teleportation machine that can put oil at the very heart of the ocean in a spot where the current will flood the entire planet. <laughs> teleportation? With that kind of technology, you could cure cancer. I don't want to cure cancer. I want to pollute the oceans. Okay. Sorry. I had to bring in the Sauron meme. But uh, what I was going to get off of that, though, is that by doing that, though, that means they can also make um, kind of like what Nathan had with his little Wookiee warriors. They can make Trandoshan warriors. So now we can have yes. Wookiees and Trandoshans fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because because this was a definite squad of Trandoshans who work for the Empire, which is interesting considering how much xenophobia oh, is working God. in the Empire. Hey, speaking of Wookiee warrior uh, squads, Nathan's got that one right there. Yes, I've got five of the six models built uh, and uh, lots of glue on my fingers. And several extra arms. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yes. Like, <laughs> like this one right here. <laughs> Wookie I arm. too have I mean Wookie. that would be like selling, you know, Wookiee pelts, right? So for yeah. Grand Oceans. Well, I mean, you can get a hundred of them for one Jedi. Yeah. Yes. Well, one Gunji. Yes. Yeah. One Wookiee Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. Would he be considered the rare? I I think so. I, yeah. I think we just covered how Wookiee Jedi is quite model. rare. Yes, he's the he's the chase model. I mean, apparently, because he's the only one that's technically in canon, because at this point we have two of whatever, well, three of whatever Yoda species is. Well, we've got Tom Briaga, who is the Wookiee Jedi from Star Wars: The High Republic. Oh, is he okay? If he's canon, yeah. then okay. Well, it's yeah. still two to three, so it is. It is. Yeah, they are more rare than um, whatever Yoda is. Yeah, because we got Yaddle, Yoda, and Grogu. Speaking of uh, which, I believe Yaddle is also a a character who has some appearances in The High Republic. Because you I know you have, so. oh, you have younger know. Yoda running around High Republic, and I think Yaddle is also running around. Isn't Yoda chasing Yaddle around, getting some tail? Hey, yo! I feel like from. Yoda's too old for her. He might be. Yoda's robbing the cradle. She's I, I, I got the impression that he was like a couple hundred years older than her. Maybe so. Yeah, but in that species, that might be like you know five years. Well, see, I figured that was more like a couple decades. Well, once you pass, you know, three hundred. Nobody it's all the cares. same anyway. It's all right? Nobody cares. It's, it. it's just a number. Yeah. Uh, anyway, okay, moving on. Question numero dos. Uh, Nathan, we'll let you go first again. We'll just let you go first the whole time, except for the last one. Oh, or, no, well. Uh, except for the third the, one. The third one, yeah. Yeah. All um, right, so number two, what did you dislike the most about this episode? There were Trandoshans, and I hate Trandoshans. Well, I mean, that's fair. Yeah, they but, make the, great pottery. <laughs> 
<laughs> that, that's not actually my my least favorite part because you need a good villain. So I liked seeing the Trandoshans too. Uh, my least favorite part was I felt like they cut a couple of scenes uh, where they are fighting the fires because both times they start fires, they're like, okay, get well, the shovel. We, we, yeah, get the shovel. I'm like, what what, what are you doing with the, the boink, boink, boink? No, no, no. <laughs> I, take a okay. dirt. Yeah, they're digging the trenches to to keep it from spreading. Yeah, I wish they had like shown that. Oh, so, what okay. you're saying this would have been a perfect moment to talk about si fire safety. It, it would have. You need <laughs> some, uh, I, some kind of grayish, smoky colored Wookie to come out and point to the camera. No, no, no. Uh, Maybe wearing, wearing a hat. Wearing a hat. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was more furry. <laughs> What did he say? <laughs> Tech flops down the thing. I believe he said, looks at camera, lifts up visor. Only you can prevent forest fires. No, but but it felt like the second time, you know, they said, Oh, go get all the Wookiees so they can help us put out these fires. And like I thought we were going to get a scene where the Wookiees are like, okay, well, you know, we didn't really trust you. You know, you fought alongside us, but the Republic did that too. And then the Republic turned around and became the Empire and started looting our planet um but you know now you're showing that you're willing to work with us to put out these fires but then we just didn't see that happen um i almost feel like they had those scenes or were planning to do those scenes and cut them for time and i hate that because we're on a streaming format who cares if it's you know an extra five I'll minutes you, i'll tell you who cares it's streaming on disney plus here in the usa there are other countries around the world where in the future disney animation is going to syndicate this and uh, they will put in commercials yeah that's the thing i hate the most okay well i mean <laughs> right you know, there yeah, you, you're upset commercialization. yeah i got it yeah <laughs> capitalism anyway uh, but yeah, I I, uh, I totally sympathize with you. Uh, I'll go next. Uh, the thing I disliked the most was also in relation to the Trandoshans. I wanted a little more clarity as to whether these Trandoshans were like a special detachment of the Imperial Army or whether they were, as is my thought, uh, mercenaries. Um, I was thinking that somehow they'd been hired by the Empire to take out the Wookiees. But then those actual um, stormtroopers or clone troopers were there as, you know, official representatives of the Imperial Army. And the tanks that they had had the Imperial cog painted on them. So I'm unclear because I always thought that the Imperial Army didn't have any alien uh, operatives, any any official alien battalions. Yeah, they were um, taking orders from the Trandoshan commander. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that probably could have been explained better. I got the impression that they were like contractors. So they're like not officially part of the army, but they're effectively working for the army. Like they're taking orders in that the army is their customer. Yeah. I just wish we had more clarity about it. That's what I just Yeah, that, that would have been it's good. It's kind of a nebulous uh, force organization there. And I uh, bet right, those Eric? clone troopers, stormtroopers are regretting not reporting it up. So yes. Had they yeah. just gone with their gut instincts and reported it in, they would have been still alive today. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 oh, by the way, anybody out there who was still complaining about uh, the clones 
the, the Bad Batch stunning everybody. There were no stun blasts in this episode. There were explosions and fire storms and flamethrowers galore. Not to mention killer spider things. All right, uh, Derek, what did you dislike the most about this episode? Um, Another one-off episode uh, with very little, if not no, character development. Um, again, I liked you know, seeing Gunji, I liked the whole Wookiee side of things. So that was great, but how it related back to the bad batch. So I feel like you got a little bit with Omega and like, she's kind of like practicing the ritual Gunji's doing, but it, it didn't tie back to anything. Like it's not like at the beginning of the episode, it was the clone true or was the bad batch making the decision to rescue Gunji. And she was like, we don't have time for this. Right. It was her making that distinction, right? We got to save him. They're going to harm him or whatever. They're, you know, doing that. And the Bad Batch are like, yeah, slavery, bad, right? You know, Hunter's all about that, right? So they rescue him, right? And that's great. And then they go and help. Um, but it just didn't feel like, again, anything was really... And again, the Bad Batch is exposing themselves to the, you know, Imperials. I'm assuming one of them would have gotten away and radio back to the rest. Like, hey, there's a bunch of bad, you know, guys dressed up in Clone Force 99 that, you know, are should be wanted, you know, at this point. Um, and it's just giving away more position again. So, again, just I don't know. At this point, I'm kind of feeling like these side missions and it's always the Empire at this point being the bad guy. And it's like, OK, like I think it would have been better had there been no Imperials and it just been strictly the Trandoshans mm -hmm. yeah. were hired to do it, right? It would have made more sense then because they wouldn't have known who the Bad Batch is. To me, the Stormtroopers are like, why are these guys wearing clone outfits, right? They at least would have questioned something, even if they didn't even know who they were, right? Like, to me, it, it would have made more sense because it's not like... It's that common. Now, I get they look a little offbeat because they're different sizes and stuff. They're not the standard typical size. But right. you still think that would have been like, well, this is odd, right? Yeah, so, that, guess, that almost makes it more <laughs> conspicuous. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I there don't was know, a bunch I, of clones and one of them was huge. Mm. <laughs> 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 like, like, like somebody's, I mean, you would think that they would know them by like Legends Tales. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. Like I said, it's just I'm thinking too much into a kid's show. I get it. But it, to <laughs> me, I, I would think it's a little bit more solidified writing in it when it comes into this. That, again, this is a third episode in a row where the clone, you know, batch, you know, nine, close, clone force 99 is giving themselves away. Right. The bad batch and give themselves away. And I feel like, OK. And we were talking about it earlier. And I mean, we'll talk about it with question five. But, you know, it, it relates back to that. Right. So. Anyways, like I said, that's that's my gripe. It's it's just the connectivity between episode to episode and, and the overall threat I thought that the Empire was gonna be with them. That you know, they were making this whole big episode. What was it, episode three we got, right? That was the mm -hmm. big um thing with crosshairs and time. yeah, and and whatever his name was. Like I thought that was gonna be a bigger deal, but apparently it's not. Like I guess that's how they're able to do it because you know, they were dispatched at the end of season one, according to Empire News, and nobody's caring anymore. So, and Rampart seems to be wanting to to keep that the assumption, like Rampart killed the other clone to. Well, yeah, because because he reported that they were dead. So if yeah. if reports come up that you know, oh, they're actually alive, 
So uh, like, like to me, that'd be great. great. Like what we got with Andor, right? Seeing behind the scenes in the ISB. Like I would like that. Like all these reports are coming in and Rampart's just randomly killing people. Yeah. Or to keep it a conspiracy. Or, you know, <laughs> something, right? <laughs> like at, at the end of every episode, somebody walks into Rampart's office. Sir, we have reports of Clone Force 99. <laughs> Bam! <laughs> uh, <don't> blam. <laughs> no, we, no more intern. <laughs> it's like, by the way, I need a new secretary. Again, yeah, yeah. S- sudden secretary death syndrome. <laughs> secretary death syndrome. That's terrible. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> the barest of connection, Derek. Going back to your point, the barest of connection that I could think of with this storyline wise is Omega does sell, say to the Wookies, "The Empire destroyed our home too." But I mean, that's it. Like you know, the Empire destroys lots. That of was the Caminos, though. They destroyed the Caminos. They didn't destroy all the clones at this point. They're still utilizing them as free labor. They paid for them, right? So, well, clearly, but, but Omega their home. thinks that 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 was all their homes, and because she's like, the Empire destroyed our home. So in her mind, when Camino got wiped out, that was the Empire destroying their home. I guess. Well, I mean, and, she is a, she is a little girl, you know. Well, there's also several times she's throughout also the oldest the, out of everybody, though. That's yes. true. Um, there's several times throughout the Clone Wars, and the Bad Batch themselves have mentioned this, where clones talk about Camino as being home. Yeah, yeah. Um, that like th- it's the only home world that they have. Yeah, I get it. So, yeah, I just I, I don't and know. It, it definitely got messed up. Yeah, yeah. Well, we know there's some secret bases somewhere around there because they didn't blow up the planet. And if you don't blow up the planet, there's still somebody around. So, oh yeah, yeah absolutely. And we know they're but, off they're floating all, in like, whatever underwater facility water. too, so that they took what's their nuts too. Uh, yeah, so, tentive, uh, tentive. No, um, uh, ten, Mount, Mount Tantus. Tantus. Mount Tantus. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Okay, question number three, which we just always almost already did. What connections <laughs> did you draw to the rest of the Star Wars galaxy, uh, Derek? What connections did you draw to the rest of the Star Wars galaxy? Uh, I mean, this is obviously I, I'm hoping this is going to go into question five a little bit. Um, so I kind of want to hold off on it. Um, so uh, I'll hold off. Okay, um, all right. I'll connect it to episode five. Okay, or question five. I'm sorry. So for me, the, the, there were lots of connections, uh, and we could talk like the rest of our episode about this, but. Uh, I'll stick to the one that made me go, ooh, neat. It was the chain codes. Um, I'm always fascinated by this as an almost new piece of old Star Wars lore uh, that was essentially introduced in The Mandalorian. Uh, we talked about Grogu's chain code. Um, and then chain codes apparently were like, you know, the social security number or the identification of citizens of the galaxy. Uh, and it's interesting to note that they apparently predate the empire and post date the empire because mando uses them post empire and then i believe there's been some recently produced but back before in the clone wars uh episode where somebody talks about chain codes and of course in this episode of the bad batch the opening gambit if you will is them producing fake chain codes to sell to um a group of mercenary droids called the vanguard axis uh, which to me, that could have been a whole episode all by itself. Those guys were cool. Uh, they were like some weird hybrid tactical droid, battle droid, co- protocol droid almost. Wanna be IG brand. Yeah, exactly. And uh, they seemed to be pretty capable fighters. They were imposing. I loved the the individual color scheme thing going on. They were like droid Power Rangers, but evil, or it's not evil, 
coldly logical because remember when Omega was like, you guys aren't going to hurt him. And they're like, no, we do not intend to hurt him. We intend to sell him to the empire, which, Hey, like, like technically this is not harming him. Yeah. Yeah. It's like in Terminator two, don't kill anybody. And then in the next scene, blam shoots the guy in the knee. I, what did I just say? He'll live. <laughs> you know. So, um, yes. The Bible does have some quite specific things to say about killing people. It's somewhat fuzzier on the subject of kneecaps. That's right. So, uh, yes, um, I enjoyed the Vanguard Axis droids, and I kind of hope we get to see them again. But the idea of chain codes prevalent in contemporary Star Wars media, uh, and this was cool to know that someone with the kind of acumen like tech could make false or forge chain codes. Uh, we've seen people forge um, spaceship identification transponders. Uh, we've seen people forge data cylinder, code cylinders, uh, forge computer records. So it's nice to know that this isn't supposedly some world where chain codes are useful because they're unforgeable. You know, um, I mean, yes, it's an NFT, but only in so much as one cannot yet funge it. Fun, funge, make it fungible. Make, make anyway, it a fungible token. It. Yes, make it fungible. a fungible. Token. Fungible, fungible, mm. tradable. Um, so it's cool. The idea that they have the, uh, counterfeit chain codes and, uh, I'm, I'm interested to know what did the Vanguard Axis droids want with chain codes? Because droids, of course, don't have chain codes because they aren't people under any of the Star Wars regimes for the past several thousand years. Um, so yeah, that would be a cool storyline to expound upon at some point in the future. Based on what they said about Gunji and how they didn't intend to hurt him, they were just going to sell him to the Empire. I think uh, they just planned to have those fake chain codes to sell. You know? Yeah, that, that's what I thought too. Um, but it would be cool if they were somehow going to try to use them to make themselves on paper or on network pass off as you know, oh, sentient I'm beings. sure it could be used for other quote-unquote missions that they need to go on, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like we said, you know, they have an old clearance code, right? So, well, at least now they have a chain code. Yeah. yeah. Well, and maybe this is... Go ahead, Nathan. Now I'm just imagining the access droids with some horrible human face mask <laughs> yeah. like yes it it is a wonderful day to eat <laughs> to, blue, to drink blue milk if you got <laughs> enough if you got enough wookie pelts maybe they can dress up as wookies <laughs> it's three droids in a trip coat <laughs> fellow human yeah greetings rah, fellow rah, 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 rah. Greetings, greetings fellow biologicals isn't it a great day to respire but I, oh, i'm wondering oh, if, the, if oh. they've been around for this long is that why people don't like droids Oh no, no! Ooh. People don't like droids because we just had this whole massive maybe, war. Maybe vanguards are like the first group of Nazis. Ooh, or or at some point there was a big a, a war because I mean this is Star Wars. We have war. We have galaxy wide. Yeah, we, we had like mecha every, droids just a couple episodes ago. There you go. It, like every fifteen years, we have some galaxy spanning war, right? So. um Maybe there was once a humans versus droids war, much more so than just the Clone Wars, because there were humans and humanoids on the Separatist side. Like, perhaps there was this whole thing about, you know, artificial intelligence were trying to be ascendant. And the reason they don't get chain codes is because that was the thing that we used to be able to tell the difference, difference between a replicant droid and a real biological person. 
Skynet all over again. That's right. It's Terminator. He'll live. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> and you need so so we're giving the, the fake chain code to Guri is what I'm hearing. Yes, the fake chain code is for Guri. Have we had the humanoid-looking, if not pleasure bot, but at least humanoid-looking servant droid in contemporary canon yet? I don't think that we have. Yeah, I would be surprised. Like, no, no full-on um, androids. If we got the pleasure bot version, I'd be a little surprised. Yeah, but then again, I mean... Some of point, the stuff that we saw on Andor got kind of close. Well, but then Book of Boba Fett, too. Like, I know they're all cybernet cybernetics, right? But then, mm-hmm. I don't know, and maybe as well in Solo or any of the background characters, we just don't know, right? That they could have, quote-unquote, wrote some lore, but because we never have a Star Wars CCG and that doesn't have that lore on the cards, we don't know yeah. that they're an actual android or droid. I need that lore box, baby. I need my yes. lore box. Yep. So it's just a vicious cycle, but uh, yeah, I mean that's the only thing I can think of. So yeah, so I could see the Axis Vanguard or Vanguard Axis droids saving up those fake chain codes to give to some replicant droids. Oh, fascinating! Anywho, talk about reading too much into a kids' show. Woo! All right, uh, Nathan, take it away. All right, so we have tons and tons of connections to the Star Wars universe, mostly in terms of the Wookies. Uh, Gunji himself, this is the first time we've seen him since uh, we saw him on the terrace with Master Sanube. Um, the, did not have any speaking lines in that one, but that was the Barris Offi storyline. Uh, when Anakin and Barris Offi are dueling, we see Gunji and the other kids from the previous episodes. Um, so that's the last time that we had seen him. So we don't know if he had a master. Um, or if he had been off-world before, so we don't know how he survived Order 66, but we do know that he still had the lightsaber that he made in the Clone Wars, uh, because it is the one that's made out of wood. It's a special type of wood that is just as strong as metal, um, and it's basically the only wood that you can realistically make a lightsaber out of. So I love the fact that they brought that back, and for one, use that to tell the Bad Batch, hey, this is a a Jedi, um, but also it kind of represents his connection to nature, which was a big theme in this episode. Um, speaking of the connection to nature and that being a big theme, a lot of this episode reminded me of Return of the Jedi. Yeah. In Return of the Jedi, George Lucas originally wanted to use Wookiees instead of Ewoks, which is why Ewoks is basically just Wookiees backwards. Yeah, uh, but woke. the woke <laughs> the the reason that he didn't do that is because of Chewbacca. He realized, well, Chewbacca has been around all this technology. He's clearly from a race that knows what technology is, even if they aren't all as technologically advanced as everybody else. Um, So he switched up. Also, my understanding is he had a hard time getting that many tall actors um, because Wookiees are super tall. But hey, you don't have to care about that in animation. Right. Uh, But in this episode, we have a similar deal where the Trandoshans are using highly technologically advanced stuff. They're using the AATs, uh, and then the Wookiees are fighting them off using nature, using the spiders. And that just reminded me of like the traps that the Ewoks would set up. The trees Uh, have a plan. Yes, they do. Uh, Speaking of the AATs, and we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but uh, it is a parallel that I wanted to draw. Um, That goes back to the first episode of this season. 
uh, we see that the Empire is basically looting the Separatist stuff. Uh, and that includes this. So this is the first time we've seen them use AATs as part of an Imperial thing, but they're definitely taking Separatist um, the war machine and, and using it for their own purposes. Um, I thought it was very interesting that uh, they kind of no longer care about the Wookiees. It makes sense because Kashyyyk is a mid-rim system. Um, so this was kind of the whole idea in Revenge of the Sith that we need the Wookiee homeworld because it's kind of this path that the Republic can take to get to the outer rim. It's also a path that the Separatists could take to get to the inner rim. But now that there are no Separatists, we don't really need the path. There's not really another side that we're fighting that we need to get to them to fight them. So we switch over to let's loot the planet for its resources because it's no longer strategically in an important spot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I could probably talk quite a bit more about other connections. <laughs> so I'm going to cut myself off there so that we don't have a three hour episode. Yeah, yeah. This was a good episode of the Bad Batch as far as those of us who love deep cut Star Wars lore. Uh, even the spider creeksters are are a uh, enemy that you have to fight in the video game Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic from back in the day. Uh, so this, and I believe the spiders in KOTOR were, of course, based on some concept art by Ralph McQuarrie, um, similar to the white knobby spiders that we saw in Star Wars The living card game way back in the day and then also we saw them on an episode of the mandalorian when mando went to that ice planet with the frog lady with the okay. delicious babies mm -hmm. eggs okay uh moving on question numero quattro nathan take it away all right question number four is this gunji's tribe so that's a question that came up in the episode, uh, they said that Gunji is looking for his tribe, but Force-sensitive children are taken from their planets, or at least under the Republic, were taken from their planets very early. So I'm not sure if Gunji knows what tribe he belongs to. Uh, so my question for you guys is, do we think that they happen to get to the right tribe? Are that, or is this tribe going to help him get back to his right tribe? Or are they just going to adopt him into their tribe? Or something else I haven't thought of. Um, I think that kind of leads into question five. It might. <laughs> I'll, I, I'll answer it at this point in time, though. I'm going to say because this is a kid's show, it's going to be a la the Ewok Adventure movies. And therefore, this isn't Gunji's tribe but we may get another story somewhere in some other form of Star Wars media or maybe another episode of The Bad Batch where they go back to Kashyyyk and they find Gunji's tribe. And so they, he'll be welcomed back by his parents who thought he was long dead. Now, if, this wasn't, a, if this wasn't a kid's show and it was more like Empire Strikes Back um, or, or Revenge of the Sith, uh, I would say, no, Gunji's tribe is dead. Uh, and he'll find out that those Trandoshans were the ones that killed them. And at some point in the future, he'll have the chance to kill the leader of the Trandoshans who somehow survives the spider encounter. And then he'll choose not to because he is a Jedi like the Padawans that had died before him. 
There you All go. right. Derek, question number five, sir. So this is where I've left question three and four. But so for number five, and I'll answer um, the question is, is this another one-off episode? So again, as I talked about my dislike in two, that to me, this just didn't feel like there was a whole lot of meat potatoes to it. Like it was a good episode. There was stuff, but it just was like, okay, what are we doing here? To Nathan's point, even also as well, like it felt like there was parts missing from this, right? So it, was this supposed to be a longer two-parter episode, right? Potentially or something, right? Or did they just cut a few, what they consider non-important, you know, sequences um, to fit it within that time frame, right? So, so let's go back to question three and question four. So <clears throat> my connection is at this point in time, the Wookiees would be, be getting captured and putting into slave trade sell-offs for you know labor camps and all that stuff right this is essentially how spines a castle yeah how han solo meets chewbacca right that's this is where i'm expecting it so if we get more than this then that's what i'm expecting i'm expecting us to spend a three to four episode mini arc on kashik going through all that stuff and that's what and, and in essence the bad batch should quote unquote lose because obviously this stuff is going to continue to happen right there there's no way for them to fight off the entire empire and but this is how the empire's alluded to where the bad batch is at right and then they have to run away or whatever right so they lose the battle they maintain kashik because that's really what is supposed to happen for half a kashik is supposed to be devastated right it's supposed to be um ransacked and all that stuff of its resources the the wookies are supposed to be captured so and i'm guessing to answer your question just previously about gunji's tribe i'm guessing this in my mind gunji's tribe would be captured right and that's how they'll make it a larger episode that they go at least rescue gunji's parents potentially or i mean they find out that gunji's parents are captured and he has to go off and that's how Gunji, you know, quote unquote, lives on, or we don't know, right? Um, at this point in time, because obviously he is a high commodity being Jedi. So I don't think he can stay on Kashyyyk because, again, I think there's going to be a continuation of the Empire devastating it. So I would think he has to leave for whatever reason. Yeah. And there's even a hint toward that, that your theory is correct because Commander Venomore of the Trandoshans in this episode. We see that they haven't killed that one Wookiee that they haven't uh, captured. He's in handcuffs, and when he protests, they whip him like he's already getting prepared to be a slave, you know? So clearly, they have the, these Transoceans have been capturing some Wookiees on Kashyyyk in this very story. Uh, Nathan, what do you think? Is, is this just another one off episode? Uh, you know, at this point, I have to question what do we count as a one off episode? Uh, because, in a sense, everything we've two. gotten. <laughs> well, well, in a sense, the first three as well. I mean the, I mean the first two are a two-parter, but going to get uh, Dooku's stuff, Dooku's war chest, is kind of its own separate story. The solitary clone relates to the larger overall story of the Bad Batch and having crosshair, um, but in a sense, it's been a very episodic season. And even last season was pretty episodic. Uh, so I think the answer is kind of 
yes, it's a one-off episode, but also at this point, I expect there to be like 14 one-off episodes in this season. Um, I think the next two are connected to each other uh, because they both come out this Wednesday. Uh, the Clone Conspiracy and Truth and Consequences, I think is basically a two-part episode. Um, and of course, the Spoils of War and Ruins of War, I think I, I, obviously that was a two-part episode. But outside of that, I think it's all going to be like one-off episodes. It's it's episodic. That just kind of is what it is at this point. Um, now, I do think that this episode relates to a lot of other things in Star Wars, including the Wookiee slavery and uh, you know Chewbacca being a prisoner of the Empire, the Wookiees on the Spice Mines of Kessel, and that sort of thing. Um, but I don't think we're coming back to Kashyyyk this season. Um, it may be something that we pick up in season three, but probably not now. Yeah, I, I think that um, this is a one-off episode in so much as it doesn't have much in the way of uh, the grand theme of the Bad Batch clones are going to try and get some of the other clones to turn coat against the Empire, which we already saw with Commander Cody. Um, but I think it actually plays into a whole different season-wide theme, which is actually going to be a um, a way for the Bad Batch's story overall to end and explain why they weren't a thing much in the original trilogy. And that is, eventually, the, the, the band is going to break up. And what we have been seeing over the past few episodes, not including uh, three, because that was very much a Crosshair-specific episode, is each of the batch seems to be getting be, be starting to find a place where they could belong outside of being the roving A-team Bad Batch crew. Uh, Tech was really great at the whole racing thing, and he could fit in well into that kind of organ into a racing team like that. Uh, Omega was great at solving puzzles and doing the Tomb Raider shtick with uh, uh, Fee. Uh, and then here, Wrecker, I mean, may as well have been a Wookiee born in a different body. Right down to the fact that they took a moment to show us how much he loves drinking with the Wookiees in their treehouses. And they and loved him. Loved, and they loved him. He's big and burly and he fits in with them. And he could easily enjoy life out in the rugged forest because he is a mountain of a man who could be a mountain man. And so, therefore, this is the place where Wrecker would fit in. So coming up, if my theory holds, we're going to see someplace that Echo feels like... I think Echo's the one who has the highest probability of joining the Rebellion outright, because he's almost always about, we need to get back to our mission of stopping the Empire. And, I, and, and his experience as a former clone and all of his cybernetic enhancements make him an invaluable operative for... Oh gosh, I don't even like even Luthen would love to have him hanging around that organization, and that would be a great and/or Bad Batch crossover, right? Uh, and then finally, we'd have to find some place where Hunter would fit in, and that's the I one. Don't that I don't think Hunter will. Yeah, I don't, I can't figure out what would be Hunter's uh, end game other than I, Hunter's I gonna think die. he'd be the one to pat yeah to either yeah. die or become a farmer. Oh yeah, he'd go do what? Uh, oh, who was go that? With Yes, cut. Thank you. I'm like, there's that clone that's off to raise his family. Maybe Hunter from the episode Cut and Run. I yes. could see him taking Omega and just doing that. Just being a dad, being space dad, being proto Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. But Which, if but if my theory about Omega wants to go and be a treasure hunter with Fee holds, then she'd be off doing that stuff, and Hunter would have to find something else to do. Or maybe he goes with her because he still feels the need to protect her. 
Yeah. Could be. But I also think Omega kind of fits in everywhere because she also did the whole, you know, reaching out to the tree thing, um, which I think plays into the, the theory that she might be force sensitive because that felt like a Jedi thing that Gunji was reaching out to the trees and then uh, Omega well, was all doing the Wookiees were thing. doing that though. That's where Gunji learned it from. So I'm not saying she couldn't be, but I mean, but all the Wookiees were talking to the trees, right? That way. Uh, well, there was a, specifically the scene where he goes out and like touches the tree, not near the Trandoshans or anything, but near back near the village. And she goes out and touches the tree with him. Speaking um, of Gunji doing Jedi stuff in the forest, when we were talking about the firefighting, I almost wanted a scene where he was going to do some force wave projection to like backdraft snuff out a bunch of flames all at once, like kawoosh and cut them, <laughs> cut off the oxygen real quick and just put out the whole fire. I thought that was going to be a cool, you know, and now the force, da, 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 padoosh. that would have been awesome. Anyway. And now the way of the far paw. That's right. The furry paw. No, the far <laughs> paw. The forest paw. <laughs> <laughs> all right well if any of those things happen on the next episode or future episodes of the bad batch we will of course dissect every tiny detail of it here on what a piece of junk but we're not the only game in town on the fandom podcast network because we all know how you nerds are out there you love to dissect everything that you care about and whatever your interest is we have a show for it here on the fpn so let's take a quick break so that y'all can find out about the other podcasts out there for the fandom podcast network Thank you for listening. We hope you're enjoying this podcast. Here are the other great shows on the Fandom Podcast Network. Culture Clash, where we discuss the latest in entertainment and pop culture. Blood of Kings, our show covering the entire Highlander universe. Couch Potato Theater, we celebrate our favorite movies. And Time Warp, our Fandom Flashback show discussing a year in movies and our favorite retro movie, TV, and pop culture topics. Good evening, discussing all things Alfred Hitchcock. Hair Metal Podcast. We cover the rock metal music of the 80s and early 90s. Type 40, a Doctor Who podcast discussing the time-traveling Doctor Who universe. Lethal Mullet, an action film podcast covering the 80s, 90s, and beyond. Also, check out the Lethal Mullet Network for more great podcasts. What a Piece of Junk, our Star Wars podcast. Making Treks, a Star Trek podcast with a deep dive into the final frontier. The Fandom Show. Our Fandom Podcast Network live YouTube show discussing the hottest topics in fandom. The True Believers MCU Podcast discussing the Marvel Cinematic and Television Universe. Union Federation, our Star Trek and the Orville show. And we're proud to welcome the BQN Network to the Fandom Podcast Network. Please visit our friends on the BQN Network, a Star Trek Universe podcast that also includes your favorite topics, movies, history, superheroes, and more. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on YouTube. The Fandom Podcast Network is also on all major podcast platforms. The Fandom Podcast Network audio master feed is on Podbean at fpnet.podbean.com. You can find the Fandom Podcast Network on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can email us at fandompodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, respect others and enjoy your fandom. All right. Thank you very much, Kevin. I hope you guys check out some of those particular podcasts and find something new to really enjoy. 
Uh, and speaking of new things that we're going to enjoy, uh, guys, we got a release date this week for Star Wars Visions Volume 2. And the day that all of the episodes drop is a very important one for Star Wars fans. It is May the 4th of this year. So may the 4th be with you, and may Star Wars Visions Volume 2 also be with you all at once. You don't have to wait for the week-to-week release. Binge watchers rejoice. Uh, Derek, uh, you were talking about this before we got on the air. Um, what, what all have we learned here in this announcement? So uh, we got quite a bit of information um so we'll kind of go through each um briefly here uh that we'll talk about so the big the big overall arch of this season though was that it's not all japanese animation which is what Mm. season one one was right so this is going to be from all over the world which is super exciting so we have an episode called the sith which is going to be done by studio el guri which is in spain so okay. I don't know if you guys watch Spain animation, <laughs> Spaniard I, I, animation, I, I guess. I, I don't know. do not watch Spanish animation. No. Uh, so. I, I'm going to give you a spoiler here for the entire thing. So you don't have to keep asking. The answer is no. I am not familiar with any animation from insert name of country here <laughs> okay. because none of these uh, animation studios are uh, from the United States. Um, or Japanese, which you've seen at least a few. Well, th- there is one actually, uh, the Art Shitagio. I am probably pronouncing that incorrectly. Shitagio. Sure, that one. <laughs> um, that's from Japan, but yep. but you know what? I don't know them. So point. Anyways, point we home. got a lot. We got a lot. So so the Sith, right? So we got one called Sith. So we're guessing that's dealing with something with the dark side of the force, right? And we'll have potentially the Acolyte come out next year, right? Or was it later this year? I can't remember. I think it's next year, right? I think they, we don't know for sure yet, do we? I think because I we feel like they're over. still filming that. I thought they said they were taking that till springtime this year. Okay, yeah, I so. think we have some crazy rumors that it might show up in in the winter time or the at holiday season of this year. But uh, yeah. who knows? Who knows? Yeah, I've, then, I've got it showing uh, release date of Friday, August eleventh. Oh, of I was way year. off. Yeah, um, but this is based on IMDb, and sometimes they get. I feel um, like that's supposed to be the um, whatchamacallit, I thought the um what would Jude Law the um skeleton crew skeleton crew I feel like that's supposed to be but I don't know well this this definitely says the acolyte mm-hmm. um but yeah I mean it's it's IMDB sometimes they get information that is uh yeah, less OG, than correct OG that was released three years ago at a Star Wars right the celebration yeah. so anyway so we, then we got the, what it's called the Screechers Reach by Cartoon Saloon which is in Ireland fascinating so leave 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 uh their name of their studio to be Cartoon Saloon right for Ireland <laughs> so um but uh they've done stuff that uh you know i don't know again as uh nathan said wolf walkers i know of i've seen that before i haven't watched it but i know of it um that is on um disney actually i believe or maybe it was um apple tv now that i think about it um and then we have uh in the stars which is done by punk robot um which is in chile so that one uh would be pretty cool uh, then we have the title, I Am Your Mother, not I Am Your Father, but I mm. Am Your Mother, 
by Studio Ardman, um, which is out in the United Kingdom. Uh, and then we have Journey to the Dark Head, okay, uh, by Studio Mir, uh, which is out of South Korea. So I bet that's going to be pretty crazy. When you're thinking Journey to the Dark Head. I feel like I've heard of Studio Mir. Uh, they've done uh, uh, Dota Dragon's Blood Book Three, which is to be released last year, and Lookism. So they're pretty relatively new. Um, they only entered in 2017 based off their little snippet here. So, um, uh, maybe you've uh, seen something. So. I, I understand where I may have heard of, you said they started in 2017. Yep. Well, that doesn't fit with this at all. Um, <laughs> I, I just looked them up and it says that they worked on the legend of Korra, which aired from 2012 to 2014. Uh, um, well, no, uh, I think, I think very Jerry impressive. Point- what you're reading here is that. Oh, uh, I see. Now I see. Uh, I see. Never the, mind. The particular the, director. The director. Sorry. Ah, uh, okay. So they they also worked on uh, Young Justice, mm. um, which uh, I'm a huge fan of Young Justice. Uh, see, and, there you go, Nathan. You know this animation studio. I, I, I know this. I, well, I know their animation. <laughs> Yeah, it'll look like a bunch of beefed up Jedi that it'll look like a bunch of beefed up Young Justice superheroes. <laughs> uh, but now, see, the, the superheroes in Young Justice aren't always beefed up. Uh, so that, that's well, a they're feminine thing to too. They're feminine, too. Um, they, they also worked on Batman and Superman, Battle of the Super Sons, uh, which if oh. you have access to HBO Max, check that out. That's a recent release. Then uh, yeah. I watched be it a smoother just, animation then. just last week, and it it's pretty good. It's uh, Damian Wayne and Jonathan Kent. Um, they're Neat. battling together, by the way, not, not each, against other. each other. Not yeah. Batman versus Superman. Okay. Right. Right. All right. Then we have the Spy Dancer by Studio La Cachette, Cachette, which is France or you know French in France. Uh, and then we have the Bandits of Golok. Ooh. Nice. Um, and that is going to be done by 88 Pictures in India. So is Golok, the bandits of Golok, do we know anything about Golok? Golok, it sounds so familiar. But I've been on this whole kick about Star Wars Treasure Hunters recently. And so I'm excited to see this. Okay. Uh, then we have an episode <laughs> called The Pit, uh, which is actually a joint um, with the art um, Satagio which is the Japanese and Lucasfilm limited. Oh, so wow. this one is when they're working together. <laughs> I've heard of Lucasfilm. Yes. Hey, I know that one. <laughs> that one. Uh, Do studio mirror in this. And the, and the co-director is Justin Ridge. Um, on, uh, he did the, he's produced the Emmy nominated series, star Wars resistance. Uh, and is also credits include star Wars rebels, storks, the Cleveland show, star Wars, the clone wars and avatar, the last airbender. So, so probably a friend of of Filoni's that came yes. over from Avatar. Yes. Almost so, certainly. And then the last one is A-A-U apostrophe S. Oz Song, which is done by Triggerfish, um, which is a South African company. So then that probably so, means it's Au's song. Au's song? Yeah. Okay. See that that's so close to Aura Singh. That's mm. what I was thinking, right? Is it mm. something to do with Aura? It, it probably has absolutely nothing to do with her. Yeah, we're 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 totally off. <laughs> Just like I am your mother, 
like my immediate thought is, ah, it's going to be a Padme thing. Probably not. Yeah. No, but it's probably got a mother Jedi in it. Probably. Yes. So she's protecting something, right? Or there are two people that are battling and the one finds out the one's the mother, right? So, yeah, I, I could definitely see it that, you know, we talked about how, uh, the force sensitive children are, are taken from their planets very early. Mm -hmm. uh, it could be a Jedi who didn't know their parents because they were taken so early and they mm -hmm. find out, Oh wait, I'm finding my mother. Who knows? Ooh, yeah. yeah. That would be cool. All right. So, well, yeah, anyways. we'll be looking forward to dissecting all of those on, a on May the 4th. That's right. May the 4th be with you. And in this case, may Star Wars Visions Volume 2 be with you. Uh, and speaking of stuff that's cool for us to talk about on future episodes, we got a teaser poster for Mandalorian Season 3 released where we see the Mando standing on top of his new Naboo Starfighter starship with Grogu in the bubble. And Mando is standing there with his pistol in his left hand and the Darksaber in his right hand. So that looks pretty awesome. And that is a gorgeous rendition of the Darksaber. Uh, it's only cool if he's on the nose of the Naboo fighter while Grogu's flying it. And oh, he's using yes. it to fend off the lightsaber. <laughs> well, Gro like I was Grogu showing you guys with Samurai 7 at the beginning Grogu of Grogu can't be piloting it though he's in the bubble he's in the he's wrong using spot the force. he's using he's the force <laughs> come on he's pulling the switches he's from beyond and, and not just that that used to be an astromech pod like how do they control a spaceship so there's got to be some type of control set up somewhere in there yeah i suppose that's true yeah if grogu jumps down into the astromech pod and starts like pressing buttons and whatnot in the pod i'd be impressed that would be cool I do love this classic sci-fi feel of this poster as well, because not only is the Darksaber glowing all, you know, epically, but there's a beautiful star-filled sky behind Mando with, like, almost Bespin-esque clouds, like Cloud City, and then a planet in the background with a little moon orbiting that planet. And, of course, the guys are parked. I think they're parked. They might be flying now that you mention it, Derek. But the rocks in the background are crying out to be a new millennium version of a artist rendition of the Vasquez rocks. From that California is exactly that what I was thinking. Yeah, the classic <laughs> Star Trek rocks back there or alien planet rocks from Doctor Who or whatever. Well, and, and this poster to me actually feels more Star Trek-y it, it does Star Wars. Yeah, that planet and the Starfield background are very Trek. It almost yeah, looks like you new can swap track, out right, that too, logo for right? a strange new Any, world. Yeah, straight even yeah, and even anything that's been put out by Discovery Plus or Paramount Plus. And, so. and that kind of forty-five degree angle, like he's not. It's not quite forty-five degrees, but it's definitely yeah, Mando is is tilted. He is not yeah. standing straight up. Yeah, yep. Moff um, Gideon has pissed him off for the last time, and he is on tilt. That's right. And I'm just trying to like look at the zooming in on the picture too as much as you can. Like what's behind it? Like is it is it all mountains or is that part of a star destroyer or what would be? I don't know. Or are they like on some asteroid out beyond this planet's normal yeah. ring? Because the the, the no, rocks I, are very jaggedy. Like they're I, like it I think or like a nice planet again. Yeah. I think it is the space Vasquez rocks. Uh, it's on the same planet as Space Boston. Space Boston. <laughs> it's 
hey, Mando, you're going to park your car in the yard? Come on, we got to see the little We got to get to the harbor. We got to get to the harbor. The, 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 the Mont Calamari flan ain't going ain't gonna to spend itself. That is so saying? wicked wizard. <laughs> <laughs> your new ship is wicked wizard. Uh, anyway. Uh, okay. Anyways. But so, it yeah, does we'll look see. cool. So. It's an epic poster. Uh, new new uh, mobile phone wallpaper alert for me. That's for sure. That's and awesome. he's always shiny, except that his cape is torn. So. Yeah, what's up with that? Come on, man. Come on, Din. Get your cape fixed. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, we got one more thing to talk about on this episode of the podcast, and it's uh, a um a kind of a think piece, if you will, from our friends over at Comic Book Resources or CBR.com. And it is a list, because man, does the internet love listicles. Uh, it is the 10 saddest Star Wars deaths. So in the Star Wars universe, many beloved characters have met untimely fates. So is the subhead for this article from January the 27th from our friend at CBR, Mr. Wes Burton. Uh, so uh, Derek, you were we were anxious to discuss this, and then we can talk about uh, whether we agree with Burton's rankings and then maybe some deaths that didn't make this list that we felt should have. Yes. So take it away, Derek. Okay. So we'll, we'll obviously start at number 10 and work our way down. Um, and again, uh, hopefully Nathan hasn't pre-looked at this as we talked about it. So this will be fun if it's getting his first time reactions. It so is. at number 10, right off the bat, Uncle Owen and Amperu met yep. a grisly end. They so. did. The most dramatic moment for my young eyes in the original Star Wars, and I think for a lot of young kids, because not only do we see skeletons, which wasn't all that common in kids' media back in the day, but they are like burnt, charred skeletons with some flesh still kind of hanging on, which is wild when you consider the way that people normally die in Star Wars movies, even in later parts of that Star Wars movie. When you get shot with a blaster, you typically just take it and go down. Um, you don't get horribly disfigured and almost, you know, disruptor blasted from Star Trek or whatever. Yeah, this, this feels like they use flamethrowers. I, mm. I mean, obviously the um, the farm itself is burnt to a crisp. I think they just kind of did it with uh, Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru inside. Absolutely. Well, and it could have been it could have been like the way the blast is. It too could have been flamethrowers. Could have been a grenade you know, a concussion grenade or something. And they just, like I said, were on fire on their way out. Right. So, but of course, this, as, as uh, uh, the author mentions here, this moment was more than just the death of Luke's family. It was the end of his childhood um, and the end of any sympathy he might've had for the empire. Cause you know, at one point he talks about wanting to go to the Imperial Academy and he was all excited that his friend Biggs was gonna join the imperial academy and go off and do great things for the benevolent empire that rules the galaxy and now he realizes they are none of those things and so really would this be number one if it was the 10 happiest star wars deaths maybe it would because be number if one, it was the happiest because then this is what kicks off luke to maybe to number one of the most impactful because without this we wouldn't have <laughs> yeah. the saga I impactful right. yes it's it's uh number one or two um so okay but All right number uh, Oh, yeah, ahead, that, it, it is pretty grisly. So number nine, Shmi Skywalker didn't deserve her fate. Shmi, Shmi, Shmi. What about Shmi? Yes. So, and this is a picture, at least, with Anakin carrying the uh, body bag of his mother. So all the way. So. 
I agree completely that she did not deserve this fate, and I, I kind of agree with um, the um, recent Star Wars Marvel comic books interpretations of how uh, Palpatine orchestrated the Tuskens killing Shmi, or at least capturing Shmi, not killing her, but, but uh, ki- capturing her, uh, and, and it was part of pa- uh, Palpatine's further machinations on trying to get Anakin to go on over to the dark side by embracing all this rage. He finally finds his mother again, only to have her die almost immediately, basically in his arms. Uh, and so then, of course, you know, I killed them, not just the men, but the women and the children, too. Yeah, you know, that brings up a, a question about, you know, like, how does Palpatine know that Anakin has this ability? Uh, and the ability that I'm talking about is the ability to sense friends and family members in danger. Uh, I thought it was interesting seeing in the prequels that Anakin has that ability because it explains why in Empire Strikes Back he knows, hey, if I torture Luke's friends, he's going to come after them because I know that that's going to reach out through the force to him. But I always felt that it was more of a, a Skywalker thing. And Vader knew he could do that because he had experienced this earlier in his life. Um, so it, if Palpatine knew that that was going to happen, that raises the question of how does he know that? And maybe is this not a Skywalker thing, but just a general, you know, if you have those attachments thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe so. But also perhaps Palpatine just knows it because the Sith know that they can torture innocents to to uh, attract or, or to rankle the Jedi. Because remember, the Grand Inquisitor says something very similar uh, in uh, the uh, opening parts of the Obi-Wan series where they're messing with that uh, with innocent people to make the... Children rogue... are easily manipulated. Yes, the rogue Jedi to show himself. Yep. Yeah. So. But right, I agree number... completely that this is a very sad death. Well, all death can be sad, right? So well, true. Yeah. Uh, number eight, Ben Solo's redemption was short-lived. Yes, because Ray should have died and Ben should have been the one to live on. <laughs> so from a storytelling standpoint, uh, you, you feel that this one... I, I disagree with this one. Um, I think it makes perfect sense for Ben to pay the price for his misdeeds. Uh, redemption equals death is a thing uh, in wider media, but definitely in Star Wars. Um, it's kind of a parallel to Anakin Skywalker himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, He redeemed himself at the end of his life and then passed on. Um, so I don't think that's... I, I think it's almost cathartic. You know? So you um, don't find this death to be sad? I I mean, as you mentioned, all death is sad, but I don't find this one to be as sad as the previous two. Yeah. Okay. When you're the so bad you- guy and you do a bunch of horrendous things and you kill innocent people and all that stuff, eh, to me, you get what you deserve. So even if you are quote-unquote saved, no matter what you do at the end of the day, you still killed all those other people that didn't deserve it. So, Well, that's true, um, but... I feel like Ben was redeemed, uh, and so I was sad that that he died. I would have liked to have seen him, like, I would have liked to have seen a, a further story, if in just comics or a novel, of him in hiding. Like, Ray does something to make everyone think that he died, uh, but she knows that he's secretly still alive, and he's out there under an assumed name, a new look, 
almost like a vigilante, using his abilities to try and put right all the things that he did wrong horribly. And so you get a whole redemption storyline of him, you know, trying to uh, to make amends for all the thing, horrible things that he had done. Uh, I thought that would have been a cool way for his character to go uh, on into the future. But I also understand, as Nathan's so eloquently pointed out many times, in Star Wars, redemption equals death. And to the headline here, Ben Solo's redemption was short-lived. Well, compared to other Darksiders that got redeemed, Ben lived for quite a long while. I mean, Anakin dies almost immediately after he gets redeemed. Well, Whereas... we, we, there's like 10 minutes, to be fair, though, after, because Luke's got to carry him the whole way there. Well, true. <laughs> well, but they, they had the elevator. It was right over there. But see, when, but, 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 okay, but yes, yes, Return of the Jedi is the whole thing. I got it. But my point is, Ben not only lives long enough to go help her fight Poopatine, but he, he... Yeah, but he... Um, he like steals a, a spaceship and and goes and picks up a blaster and and gets uh, you know some holocron deal so he can fly back to Exegol because uh, you know he parks that Tie Fighter next to Luke's X-wing right. The only way this would have been cooler in in Rise of Skywalker is if because that's Luke's X-wing that's Red Five yeah <laughs> is if somehow uh, Ben Solo had gotten a, a Tie X One a Tie Advanced. Uh, Vader's yeah. ship, Vader's custom model, tie, and flown yeah. that Vader type model to land it next to the uh, X wing. JJ missed his chance. Well, he missed lots and lots. I, of I chances. feel like there's several things that were missed that. In, in that movie, but yeah, um. absolutely, he missed a bunch of chances. But you know, they did that. They did what they could. Um, and I, so my only dispute with the author here is that. Uh, when it comes to Darksiders who switch back to the light side, the only character I can think of that got more time after he made the the switch was Darth Revan, because, um, you know, he didn't die for his redemption. He he ended up doing a lot of what I just said about how now I'm going to go out and fight evil in the Yeah, he's going to go help the poor and go Yeah, exactly. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway. Right. Number seven. Qui-Gon Jinn could have helped Anakin step away from the dark. I mean, we obviously wouldn't have had anything if Qui-Gon would have lived. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know why this is number seven and not number uh, one or even point one. Um, you know, this is the duel of the fates. Mm -hmm. uh, th this is, and, and the fates involved are Anakin Skywalker and as a consequence, Darth Vader. Uh, the if, of the galaxy. Well, yeah, yeah fate if, of the galaxy for sure. Fate of Anakin, definitely, it, but fate of the galaxy by extension. Yeah, uh, so pretty much all the sorrows that happen in episode two onward uh, or even between episode one and episode two, because now we've got a little bit of that story. Qui-Gon's death is directly responsible for it. Uh, I think Qui-Gon uh, would have trained Anakin better. I think Qui-Gon could have talked to Count Dooku and said, hey, this is not right. You need to come back to the light side. Like, I understand where you're coming from, but your methods are not good. I don't trust that Sidious dude. <laughs> I feel I like mean, they would have made the three the three amigos would have been Count Dooku, Qui-Gon Jinn, and Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. I mean, don't we kind of get Qui-Gon trying to give Dooku that speech in Tales of the Jedi when he's young, Qui-Gon? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he would have succeeded because Count he's Dooku would have gone on it. Well, but right. that was the whole reason Count Dooku does submit at the end is because Qui-Gon dies because the council didn't listen to him. Right, that yeah. was the whole point. Yeah. So yeah, I don't and, think and Sidious brings up, yeah, brings up the point of we both lost an apprentice today. Uh, without that point, I, I don't know that Dooku you know, goes through with what they've been planning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so I, I think this should be 
way further up the list. Yeah, yeah. All right, anyway. Number six, Obi-Wan Kenobi gave his all for the galaxy. So this is about Obi-Wan Kenobi, so. Yeah, Obi-Wan's obviously allowed himself to die in episode four. Um, and while I agree that this was very, very important and needed to happen because he he understood this needs to happen, um, I also agree that it was pretty sad because, you know, Luke had just lost his uncle, who was his father figure, if you will, and his aunt. Uh, and then here he's kind of got Obi-Wan as his surrogate dad, even the guy, the one guy who can tell him stuff about his real dad, at which point at this point he knows little to nothing about um, and then he sees this guy die as well. So it's absolutely sad. There is an immediate sadness to this one. Uh, but I think in the long term, the sadness is kind of undercut by the fact that Obi-Wan's force ghost comes back. Mm -hmm. uh, so he's not truly gone. Um, so for no, that no reason, no one's ever truly gone. I suppose, but but for that reason, if I were doing this ranking, I would probably put him a little further down on the list. But the immediate sadness further down or further up, for, further closer to 10. There you go, um, <laughs> whichever direction you feel like that is. It's it, level it of sadness is lesser <laughs> on your own point of view. It's yes, from a certain point of view. This was really, really good, not really sad. No, well, I, uh, I feel like the immediate sadness, it, it deserves a spot on the list. But Yeah, because it's Alec Guinness, so yes, yeah. it's dad. So, no, I'm, I'm with you, Nathan. Like, this one at the end of the day, the more, the more they've expanded on Obi-Wan's back history, the more you realize, well, Obi-Wan had to die. Like, he just mm -hmm. had to die. Like, he, and he's been preparing himself to die. Like, he's yeah. kind of taken on that whole, you know jesus and blah 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 and like mm -hmm. and he's like if you strike me down i'll be more powerful than you could possibly imagine well then it's like that he knows he just has to die that's why he just does it right so i agree with you it's not really saddest because at the end of the day he has to die because that's how luke becomes then who he is right so it's the death of the mentor which is uh, much like redemption equals death the death of the mentor is a very widely used trope um and you know tropes get used because they're effective, so it's yep. not a bad thing. And because right. they resonate with us, I mean, this is part mm -hmm. of the hero's journey, which resonates with all human beings, men or women. You know, I know the heroine's journey is you know somewhat different sometimes, but of course that all depends on your culture and to quote Obi Wan once more, your point of view. Um, but the but the death of the mentor is important in all journeys to to bring us not just to where we're supposed to be in life, but almost to bring us to adulthood. Well, and at some point there has to be a passing of the torch, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whether that's by natural death or it's by falling at the hand of the enemy or self-sacrifice, yeah. whatever it is, right? So there it it just it just veers different things to where that hero can then go, right? Because they could be, you know, continue down the path or they could go down the path of evil and vengeance, right? So it just leads to different things. Um, and then it really is just hopefully the mentor did, you know, polish them up enough that they follow the right path as they're supposed to. So, uh, all right. Speaking of ones that didn't follow the path for quite a while until the end, uh, Anakin came through in the end at number five. So talking about Anakin Skywalker's death. And all I have to say is it's long overdue, in my opinion. Yeah, um, it's it's almost like I almost feel like this one should be 
uh, more impactful on the list than number five. Like the level of sadness for me as a kid was a lot higher uh, because, you know, I went to see Return of the Jedi um, in theaters and there had been some debate, uh, even amongst kids my age, about whether Darth Vader was lying to Luke about being his dad. Um, and I was very young, but that still, I knew that was a big deal. Um, but seeing him take off, when, when when Luke takes off Vader's mask and we see him as a quote unquote real person, because, you know, for young kids back in the day, sometimes you thought of Darth Vader as an evil robot. Um, and Luke's seeing his dad and then he watches his dad die after his dad had finally saved him uh, and done the right thing. It was very sad for me. I cried in the movie theater. You know, it was a big deal. Um, and I agree that, yes, his redemption equals death. Uh, and this needed to happen for the sake of the galaxy. Uh, but first, he needed to turn back to the light side for the sake of the galaxy. Because I think watching Vader turn back to the light side helped cement in Luke's mind that not only is the light side going to win, but we can win not necessarily with overwhelming force and violence and crushing our enemies. The, the thing that saved the galaxy was the love between a father and son, not the rebel, not the rebel fleet and not the destruction of the Death Star, not the death of Palpatine. Cause as we all know now, Palpatine was only gone for a little while. Cause you know, Ming the merciless never dies. So there you have it. Um, but I would put this at number three or maybe even number two. Yeah, I, I would definitely put this, you know, I, I haven't looked at one through four, so I, I don't know what's coming up, but I agree that this is a much sadder death than Ben Solo's. And it's because of that relationship with Luke Skywalker being his son uh, and seeing his son with his own eyes for the first time, just in time to pass away and never seeing his daughter with his own eyes. He never gets to see Leia with his own eyes. Uh, and that really ramps up the sadness. Um, you know, with, with Ben, he's with Ray. Their connection is, I, I mean, their connection in the force is, is huge, but their connection on a personal level is fairly superficial. The connection between the father and son is really what makes this death sad. So I agree this one goes closer to one. Yeah, yeah. Well, and this one, you almost feel bad, too, for Anakin, right? Because he does go through a lot of stuff, right? Well, yeah. Not saying yeah. he didn't, you know, but as we know more and more about him, right, it really does make him feel like you feel bad for the guy, right? Because he's had a lot of bad things happen to him. So not that Luke didn't have that either, right? It seems like tragedy falls the Skywalker family quite, quite rapidly around, but right. Anakin has had almost an entire lifetime of living with the consequences of his bad decisions. The entire empire, you know, him being more machine than man, all of that are the consequences of his own actions. Um, so he, he's had that time to have those regrets. Whereas Ben, he's still a young man. You know, he, mm -hmm. he hasn't had those major consequences. The consequences he had were that he got to be supreme leader for a little while. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, this, this was definitely sadder. Well, he, well, but also with regard to Ben Solo, consequences include 
being responsible for the death of Luke Skywalker, and then, well, almost, but yeah, yeah, basically. But then yeah. also, he, he he had to kill his own father, um, which he thought was going to be the answer to everything, but really just mm-hmm. uh, was something it really it was cleaved terrible. him in too. Yeah, 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 for him the the consequences were terrible. Um, but the um, I think the other major connection there for Ray and Ben. Um, was their fam- their individual family lineages and the way that Palpatine and Skywalker families had been sort of in- enmeshed for generations. Um, so they were they were closer than they realized, even before they or up until they realized they were a dyad in the Force. Mm-hmm. All right, well, shall we move on to the next All right, one? Number four, Leia's death brought an end to an era. Uh, Leia's death was very sad, although with the way the story had to be truncated in The Rise of Skywalker, it wasn't quite as impactful as you had hoped because there wasn't really a scene of her dying because uh, this is what makes it even more sad because uh, Carrie Fisher had actually died as well. So for me, that's what puts this number four is the right spot for this one because, I mean, talk about saddest character deaths. It was sad because that character was amazing, but also sad because it helped real helped us to really come to grips with we had to do this because Carrie Fisher is really, really dead, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for me, if you're talking about within the context of Star Wars, I don't find Leia's death to be all that sad. Um, I feel like it's more of a passing of the torch thing. Mm-hmm. Um, she's she's kind of just kind of barely hanging on towards the end anyway. In the context of the real world, knowing that Carrie Fisher passed, that's what was sad. Yeah, to, to me. Um, so I don't even know how to place that. The problem is, is they toyed with our emotions way too much with her. Um, had she died in the Last Jedi? when she got sucked out into the vacuum of space, that would have been more meaningful than what we got here. Just because yes, unfortunately with Carrie Fisher's then untimely passing and them trying to fragment it, it just, it wasn't a good portion of a story to really put together. Cause it really wasn't well done. That's why I think there's really, yeah. I, I think to your point, like had it, cause let's be honest, like really at the end of the day, that should have been a major plot point in the movie. And it really wasn't. You know. Yeah, and you can tell, even if you didn't know what was going on, you can tell some of those scenes are spliced together oh, in, in a weird weird way yeah. that, you're like, if you didn't know what was going on, you just think, man, this is not great editing. Um, they, yeah, not great editing. The, the decision to reuse the cut footage and all was an emotional one made by uh, all of the suits at Lucasfilm in a very emotional moment. They should not have done it that way. They should have recast Leia to give the character a prop- proper send-off with a, like like Tarek said, a more emotional story beat for such a legacy character to to meet her end almost you know unseen in shadow is very much a letdown. Yeah, I mean, just the fact it's like, oh, she just goes to lay up on a thing that looks conveniently like where they're going to lay her tomb and she just lays yeah. there and you know she drops her metal or whatever that that she goes to chewy and it's like really guys you're, she finally dies and now you're going to give chewy a medal like it's like come on 
Well, remember the thing about that medal? It turned out that was Han's medal. That yeah, I know I, what I'm saying though, but it's like the whole thing, and it just is like oh, this is this is just bad writing. Well, I'm, I'm saying I'm agreeing <laughs> with you because at this even at this point, Chewbacca doesn't get his own medal; he just gets Han's <laughs> hand-me-down medal. Yeah. <laughs> well, and they didn't really explain in the movie that this is Han's medal, right? You had to read about that in the comic. Yeah, there, there were a few points like that that I had with um. With that movie, I'm not going to go into it because we're talking about the deaths and not the whole movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th- there are some things that could have used some more explaining that would have made this death much sadder in Star Wars rather than the sadness really coming from real life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, number three, losing Han was a major blow. Yeah. Um, Han Solo's death was really sad. Yeah. I. I'm good with it, just the way they executed it was because mm-hmm. what's what the way they executed it. Like the problem was it, again, it was just bad writing in the movie. Had they actually done what they were supposed to do, brought all the heroes together, had our last hurrah with all with all our main characters, and then you know, and you've actually would have gotten some more better story of you know Ben doing the thing because really at the end of the day you don't even feel like han was the bad one like it should have been luke that ben should have stabbed because that's who really the reason why ben went to the dark side was because of luke skywalker not because of his father like his father was well there and not there and all this stuff and and, you know he has these daddy's issues but at the end of the day i don't feel like I, this I, the writing to me didn't feel good enough. Where it's like, okay, he has to die because Ben. Otherwise, and then it's like, but then Ben's still a bad guy, and it's like, whatever. Okay. Well, I think that's the whole point: is that killing Han Solo was not what Ben Solo was not what Kylo Ren needed to do, but it was Palpatine manipulating him to kill Han Solo. I I don't think that this was ever a plan to make it to where he would get redemption or whatever, or may, or make peace with his daddy issues. Um, in fact, Palpatine wanted to play that stuff up within Ben's mind so he could keep manipulating him because this is what he does to two young Skywalker boys. Hmm. I'm starting to sense even more level of villainous here anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, so I, yeah, I agree with you completely. Derek Han was not the person he should have killed. If he wanted to get some kind of closure, he should have had a showdown with Luke. And in fact, the whole, I didn't really get a showdown with Luke is what helped keep him on the dark side in the last Jedi. Uh, and so I think Luke knew that if he really showed up there, uh, and really fought him, it would only make things worse. Uh, and so this whole situation with his father in The Force Awakens is bad for everybody involved. The only heroic thing about that was that Han finally accepted the fact that, hey, maybe I should take some personal responsibility and go try to solve things with our son. And yeah, yeah but I don't I don't feel like that was even like the way it was written again was like it's it's not like they really had a good moment where it was like like Ben was like, you know, like. Why did you? I, I, I haven't watched it in forever, so maybe I'm misquoting it. But I, I, it's like it's not like you know Han's trying to make peace, but I feel like Ben's not even like, and maybe that's just Adam Driver's early on performances. Ben was terrible. Like it wasn't like anything meaningly meaningfully connected. In my point, where then when Ben to whether it was Palp was manipulating him, that's perfectly fine. But there wasn't anything in there to feel like 
you know, that was the conversation they were having was nice. It's like literally Han Solo shows up. Hey, so blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm sorry. You know, it's okay. It's okay. And then he dies. And it's like, but what's okay? Like, it's okay that you kill me. It's okay that you're sad. It's okay that you're emo. It's okay, whatever. It's okay that you're emo. I don't don't get anything because, again, it's just poor written structure because I don't know anything about Ben Solo at that point, right? No, I I feel like Ben was or Kylo was saying, I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. And I think Han, and you know, to your point of, you know, this isn't the, the best writing, I'm telling you what I think, not what the movie's telling you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that what Han was saying was, you know, it's okay for you to turn away from Snoke, to come back to the light. Like, we will accept you back. We will forgive you. Yeah, we will. Uh, we will forgive you. See, I, I, I interpreted um, it was simply that, but, like, I, I know you have to kill me to move on. Well, and but that's what Kylo means by "I know what I have to do." Like, uh, they, I felt like Han knew that. Oh no, Han was there to to quote bring our son home because remember that's what Leia told him to do. Oh, I I thought the, I the way I interpreted it was the only way Han could do that was he had to die because Ben was such a bad person because he was so pissed off. At ben, uh, at Han and Leia for leaving him and in, in, in to to do all this Jedi stuff that he didn't want to do that they were bad parents. That was how I interpreted that whole conversation. Oh, so you thought Han Solo walked out on that bridge thinking, "Okay, I gotta go die." Yeah, that's the only what? way I could bring huh. our son back from hmm. where he was. Was that I needed? I needed to basically wash our hands. Uh, wash our hand, uh, wash our son's hands of all the bad stuff he's done and that I've done in my past, but on uh, the things that I've done to him and, and that's where they never explored it. Right. Like I just felt like that was it. That was to me where Han knew he had to die so that Ben could come back. So Han is going out there to get sanctified for all the bad things he has done through his death. And then he will, impute into Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, propitiation for Ben Solo's sins. And he accomplishes this by getting stabbed with a cross-shaped lightsaber. You know what? I wasn't there when you started talking about this, but I'm there now. I see what you mean. <laughs> Actually, that's gosh, that makes me like the scene even more because that's a whole different interpretation that involves Han's death, sanctifying himself, and propitiation for yeah, his sins. It, it's through, through, my, through my sins, I will free my son. Yeah, well, and 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 in order to accomplish this, we use the cross-shaped lightsaber. Yes. Good lord, it's yeah. a little—it's less than subtle now that you say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, and that's, and that's what I thought. That's what it was. Like, so, yeah, when when Han says, "I'll oh bring God. back our and, son," and 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 Kylo always holds that cross upside down because he's bad. Yes, yes, and they're on a bridge when this happens. Yeah, he's too emo. <laughs> yes, and they're on a bridge, Nathan. That's right, because of the bridge between God and man. Okay, all right. Anyway, well, I had always thought up until this episode of our podcast, thank you very much, uh, that um, that Han had come out there thinking, if I tell him that I'm going to forgive him, he'll want to come home. I could at least talk him out of it, you know. Um, and so maybe you're right, though. Maybe Han thinks he has to die. Or most most likely, the will of the Force is that Han must die. And therefore, all that symbolism is is that we just talked about is right there because that's what's going to happen. And all of this definitely makes Han's death sad, but necessary. Correct. Which, again, makes it less sad for me and more angry. Mm, yeah. 
<laughs> but I think that's probably the reason because you have such a strong feelings for Han Solo. Like you're mad that he died, you know, and you feel. Like I'm just mad that yeah, they didn't do more with it, right? Yeah, like you, I said. you wanted well, him I, to die a better way. I, I'm definitely sad that him dying at that point in the story means that we never see Han, Luke, and Leia together in mm-hmm. the sequel yes. trilogy. Because a, a lot of people will, you know hate on the last Jedi because oh Luke died and we didn't get to see the three together. Well that was never an option yeah, in the last Jedi. That, that, that went that, was, that, yeah, was that went out the window in, in the first movie. Yeah. Or the first sequel. Okay, moving on. All right. So that was number three. So number two, the loss of Rogue One was enormous. So, <laughs> now, Rogue One is the ship, so I'm assuming they mean all the people who yeah, were on it. it it's it's, the, it's the all the characters, the whole team, it, right? Either that or the Razor Crest better be number one. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was oh. a sad death and totally unnecessary. True. So, Although it did really solidify Moff Gideon as the heel, I'm just going to oh, say. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, uh, reading the text here, they are talking about Jin Erso, Cassian Andor, K two So. Gosh, I'm I'm going to jump in here and say this should not be number two. I'm sorry, they weren't even bothered to name the rest of the crew. <laughs> like, yeah. h- how could it be quite as sad if you know we're not naming Bodhi Rook or? Um, any of the Space other guys. Space, yeah. Like, is it sad? Yes. Is it as sad as pretty much anything else we've seen on this list? And, no. and honestly, I was happy when they died because I'm like, hey, they kept cannon cannon. Like, there's not these random rebels that all of a sudden are going to show up that should have been here, right? I mean, yeah, we yeah, got them like- in the space battle, right? When they had all the connectivity, right? With and they had, you know, Tantive Four, and they even showed Ghost and all that stuff that we had from Rebels. But at least the people that were on this planet had nothing else because otherwise it's like, well, where were they in episode four? Off, off camera. That can be part of a different part of the right, right over there. Right, but, right over there. And then they were at five, or they were at six. <laughs> to your point, though, you know, it makes more sense with the ghost crew because they were part of a different cell. Whereas Cassian was very much, you know, I'm on Yavin 4. And I'm part really of the Mothma crew. Yeah. 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 Um, so, and they knew they were going to die when they went on this mission. Yeah, it was like the definition they, of a suicide they, mission. They, they're like 99% chance we're going to die. If we make it out, yay, but but it probably ain't happening. Um, yeah, I don't know how this got to number two. It, it's because it's, the, it's a more recent Star Wars film and, um, and, and yeah, everybody... And Andor. Yeah, and, and, yes, and Andor is current. Yeah, yeah, I, I suppose. And, and like I said, I'm not saying it's not sad. But, but it was very noble, that's for sure. Yes. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was a one-way ticket mission. They knew what they were signing up for, and they got the mission completed, and that was it. But I mean, boy, talk about redemption equals death. I mean, that works that way for the light side, too. Yep. Yep. So, all right. Any any additional thoughts, Scott? No, I think that we, we about summed it up for the Rogue One crew. Um, they, <laughs> Pour one out. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, and here's drum roll number one. Padme lost everything. 
Yes, I agree. This this is a good number one. Padme's death was very, very sad because talk about ones that were preventable and didn't have to happen. Um, yeah, I mean, if Anakin could have just if one of the other Jedi could, besides Obi-Wan could have just helped him out any tiny little spot along his pathway, I think Palpatine's plan would have been defeated. But it wasn't because I think Palpatine knew that it wasn't going to be because he he had been scheming and plotting and observing the Jedi arrogance for so long that he just knew where to hit them where they were blindsided. The dark side clouds everything, you know. Yeah, uh, I ascribe to the theory that um, Palpatine is actually transferring her life essence to Anakin. Um, just the way the Revenge of the Sith is shot makes me think that that was the intention. Um, that that's not just hey, a happy coincidence. Well, sad coincidence. Right. Um, so yeah, that that makes it sad. Um, I mean, gosh, she died of sadness. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, it, it really <laughs> is. It is the unfortunate between Aragorn and Eowyn, right? Mm -hmm. Anakin failed. And therefore, you know, Padme died, but had, you know, Anakin won, then Padme would have lived. So, I mean, it's sad, right? Because it's like, well, and, and unfortunately, it's just due to bad dialogue slash script again. Like, at the end of the day, though, like, Padme got what she deserved, though, because, you know, she, you know, totally ignored all the mental illness signs that Anakin Skywalker was doing. Not only when I don't think everybody. that means you deserve this. I didn't, I didn't say that. It just, it just made me like she could have helped herself. She could have. It wasn't and, avoidable. You know, she now. was also aware of the whole I'm not supposed to date Jedi rule. I yeah. mean. Well, she was this, she was robbing the cradle. Well, we got hey, Yoda well, and Yordle. I mean, this is come yeah, on. Once, listen, once you get past twenty five, nobody cares. But they didn't Check, get checks, past twenty five. Checks notes. Oh wait, 16, they were a lot younger than that. Attack of the Clone Wars. Attack of the Clones. I feel like I don't know. Yeah, no. I want to say he was he was eighteen. Was he finally eighteen at that point at least? Because he was eight in Phantom Menace. In a society that embraces faster than light travel there uh -huh. i'm yeah i'm gonna there you go. I mean, yeah, that's it's not like we at. didn't have 500 600 years ago people were marrying off their teenage kids so i mean they and, they were yeah and if you you know go to derek's home state they are no sorry <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's west virginia so. west virginia my bad my bad <laughs> anyways yes so yeah so padme number one um you know. I'm not, yeah, I, I agree with that. I'm not going to dispute that ranking. I, I'm okay with that one. Um, there's a couple of deaths that should have been on here. But, this, right, but to, me, to me, Anakin should have been ahead of that, though, because he knowing that he killed Padme makes his more tragic. Mm. So, like, if I, I, I could, couldn't, I can't, I, to me, Anakin always has to be above Padme. So. Um, I, I could see making that argument. I could see arguing that they're one and two. Um, in whichever order, uh, I noticed that everything on here is live action. That's true. And uh, I think Five's death in particular was extremely sad because Five's figured out the clone ships and the whole conspiracy. Five's figured out that Palpatine was Sidious. Mm. And he tried to tell people um, and like no one would believe him. He tried to get in contact with Anakin Skywalker. By the time Anakin and Rex got there, so did Palpatine's crew and and 
it's just like being that close and like knowing that everything is a lie, <laughs> like, like figuring out the whole conspiracy and then not quite getting to tell anybody. Um, I think he deserves a spot in this list. I agree. And animation wise, I also think the death of Satine was very sad, um, mm, certainly yeah. for Obi-Wan, but even for the audience. I mean, that come on, that was just, if there's anybody that deserved a happy ending in Star Wars, it was Obi-Wan, even at that point in the story. Um, and yeah, it was just heartbreaking. I, I could even see an argument for the death of Maul. Well, that was going to be one of my suggestions. I think Maul should have been on here. Um, and to be honest, the saddest death in Star Wars, out of all the deaths that I've ever had, none has made me cry than Kane and Jairus. Oh, yeah. And he got his vision yeah. back right before. Yeah. Yeah, Kanan's death was very sad. Was that heroic sacrifice? Yeah. Hmm. A, 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 a textbook noble sacrifice, but very sad. It's because, you know, Ezra had lost his real dad, and then Kanan was his new father figure. I mean, well, and Hera was thing. pregnant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was <sighs> just like, oh, that was the one that hurts me the most. So, yeah. To me, that is the sad. And to your point, Nathan, though, all of them have been animated, right? So... Yeah, and, and there's one other that I want to put on here, even though it's not even canon anymore. Uh, Chewbacca died when a moon fell on him. In <laughs> Vector Prime, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I refused to read that book when I heard well, that that happened. I'm... I mean, to be fair, I mean, any of the deaths of the Ewoks, that was sad, right? Oh, man, that, that Whoa. gets shot oh, and his friend stops to check out just like, oh, and he like, bends over, right, and keels over. Oh, man. Sad, like. That was that was more gruesome than some of these deaths. That that's that's true. That I was sad when Quill died in season one of The Mandalorian. And and hey, we gotta we, we gotta yeah. we gotta pour one out for for our friend Eric Walker when Mace died. Yeah, when you Mace know? died. Although, as Eric likes to point out, Mace could have survived that. Well, I believe it. I believe. It. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think Mace more is cybernetic. Dead. So he'll be. That's it. He'll come He's back. more machine than Mace now. All right. <laughs> Anyways, so but yeah, no fun list. So you know, any any anything else closing up, guys? Before our ten saddest deaths. So no, only just to tell the listeners that if they have a death they should they think should have been on that list, please email us or or you know tweet us or post in the Facebook group. Let us know. We'll we'll mention it in the next episode if anybody wants to chime in. And I'll post the link on the the Facebook group now. So yeah. Cool. All right. Well, speaking of cool Star Wars flashbacks and callbacks to various medium, let's do Derek's favorite part of the show real quick. What Star Wars t-shirts are we wearing this week? Uh, I'm going to go first because we're going to let Nathan go last because he is like, you know, swimming in Wookiness <laughs> this week as well. He should be. Uh, but I pulled out my Wesselmania 2 t-shirt, my favorite Star Wars shirt of all time, because it's a Star Wars pro wrestling crossover shirt that I never in a million years would have expected they would actually make this. But it is Sam Wessel. Uh, in Attack of the Clones, Episode 2, and it is done in a retro 80s style, just like a WrestleMania shirt that I wore yesterday to Charlotte, by God, North Carolina. To Was go that the Ultimate Warrior on it? Yeah, well, yeah, the one with the Ultimate Warrior on it. To go, we, I wore it to go see WWE NXT Vengeance Day live at the Spectrum Center in the Queen City. And it was great. And this t-shirt is great. And big thanks to friend of the show, Terry Lee, for getting this for me when she went to Star Wars Celebration. Uh, and they had a little celebration of the anniversary of Attack of the Clones, uh, the, the, the movie in which Sam Wessel appears. 
Uh, Derek, what you got? Well, I was gonna tell you every time I see that shirt, though the way the way the camera angle is when you're leaning back, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's far enough away. When you hold it up like that, it's good. But when it's just resting on on you know on you, when it's doing that, to me that looks like a Ferengi. It does because of the the things on her the ridge, yeah, her yeah. ridge and the ears. I'm like, is that Quark or is that Brunt? No, that's Sam Wessel. But I did like not see that before, but now I can't unsee it. Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, if there's anybody in Star Wars that could make herself look like a Ferengi, it's Sam Wessel because she's a shapeshifter. Yep. So, all right. So, uh, I'm not going to talk about my shirt because it's the same shirt that I always wear. Uh, but this is what I have to advertise. So, it's a wampa. It is a wampa. And this is hand stitched or crocheted by my wife, Christina. Awesome. Um, so I will post it on the Facebook group as well. That if somebody would like a order of a wampa, it's very soft and fuzzy. Um, and he's about uh, 16 to 18 inches tall. Really big arms and all that stuff. So nice. Now, can I get one with a detachable arm? I, I told her that that would be hilarious. Uh, you probably could because it's actually, um, you know, it's like you do pieces by themselves, right? And then you stitch them. So you, if you got like some type of Velcro, you probably could do that. Nice. Nice. So. All right. All right, Nathan. All right. Well, it is Wookiee week here at What a Piece of Junk. And I am going all out with the Wookiee. I have not only a t-shirt, but a snuggy. This is a Chewbacca Snuggie. Oh, I love this thing. It's great on cold winter nights. Uh, it almost feels like a Life Day robe, um, <laughs> but it is Chewbacca print. It's got the, the bandolier going across it. And underneath that, I am wearing Beware of Wookiee. Because, man, we had to be beware of Wookiees and their spider friends this week. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad I'm on their side. Uh, forget totally. those Trandoshans. Yeah. Awesome and I'm stuff. surprised you don't have another shirt underneath that one of the one with the the Save the Trees one, right? The the one that your dad got you? Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. That one's uh, a tiny fraction bit too small. Oh. <laughs> too many uh, times in the wash, huh? So, yeah. So, yeah. It, but it, to me, that uh, would have been funny. first time I wore it. <laughs> and then all of that you could pull off your shirt and then had it in your you know hairy chest you could have shaved off you know save the wookies or something right so, uh i mean i out. i do have uh, a wookie fur chest but i'm <laughs> i'm not gonna show that on that's okay that's good we, we'd get demonetized yeah all right good. yeah Cool, cool. Well, if you guys out there want your own cool What a Piece of Junk t-shirt or mouse pad or coffee mug or any of the other merchandise that we have, just head over to tpublic.com and check out the Fandom Podcast Network there in the search bar and you'll see all that good stuff. And uh, Nathan, please let folks know where they can find the show on the interwebs. Well, there's lots of places you can find the show on the interwebs. You know, it's like a series of tubes. You just grab one tube and it'll be on the other end. Uh, For example, one of the tubes you could grab is Apple Podcast or Stitcher or Podbean or Spotify or iHeartRadio or Google Play or YouTube. Like I said, there's a whole bunch of tubes. Uh, You can also find us on Facebook, What a Piece of Junk, a Star Wars podcast. Or you can email us at whatapieceofjunkpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at What Wars, or you can find the entire Fandom Podcast Network on Instagram at Fandom Podcast Network. We get real creative with some of these names. Uh, Derek, tell us about those Apple Podcast reviews and other types of reviews. So 
uh, as Nathan talked about, where you could download this episode, stream it as well after you're done listening, or if you're halfway through and just pissed off, frustrated, or you wanted to say, this is the best thing I've ever listened to, please go ahead and leave us a review. Apple has five-star reviews. Google does the same thing. All that great way of just doing that because, again, it helps us get the word out there of the, the podcast. What a piece of junk. It puts us further up there for Star Wars, Bad Batch, Mandalorian that's coming up, Visions, all the cool stuff. You know, put that out there and gets us at the top by leaving us a, a review. Plus, it gives us feedback of what else we could do to better make, you know, better make the show something that you might want to listen to or something that we could fix. Uh, but again, we'd really appreciate that if you would leave a review. Okay, great. Thank you very much to everyone for listening to this show. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Please let us know what we can do to change it or whatever you didn't like about it, etc. Whatever we can do to help make this podcast more enjoyable. And please always remember to respect each other and always respect each other's fandom. All right, Nathan, punch it. Mm-hmm.